wait. Before you listen to this episode, I just had to tell you about our new free mini wealth building training. In this training, we're covering the first steps to building wealth, how to find your personalized wealth path, how to find and analyze deals, and then some. So don't miss out on this free training. I mean, what do you have to lose? It's free. Sign up at www.abundantculture.co slash newsletter. Don't let delay get in the way of your abundant year. Now, back to the episode. Welcome back to Abundant Culture Podcast. Where we dissect the mindsets and tactics of the true beast of business. People like Gary Vee, Grant Cardone, and Warren Buffett. All to create a blueprint to experience life more abundantly. Hi, John, and thank you again for coming on to the Abundant Culture Podcast. We are super excited to have you today because as I was just telling you, I absolutely love your content on Instagram. I'm a huge fan. And then we heard another interview you did and we were like, yeah, we have to have him on today. (laughs) But before we get into all the work and projects that you do, we have to ask you, what is your backstory? How'd you get into business? Sure, sure. So I, uh, um, I've always been pretty much a geek guy, kind of a nerd, kind of introverted. But but what really helped me kind of break into this industry and just you know being a web designer and just a digital marketing guy was uh, was WordPress. So WordPress, as a lot of people know, is a content management system. Um, I started building sites when I was around nineteen. And I realized that I could take these ideas that I had and make them into something tangible, something real using the internet. And it, it was crazy, man. It's like, it's almost like a revelation, right? When you realize that you can take these, these things that you have in your mind and using the internet without even a ton of capital, you can build out these projects and, and really develop your ideas. And so I started out, man, it, it's crazy. I, I went to school for public communications. I got the degree right there, which I still don't fully understand. <laughs> <laughs> what it entails but but ultimately for me it was kind of kind of breaking out of that that introverted space and just being around people learning to communicate effectively and I feel like that all started when I started working at the bank so I started out as a teller I was around 1920 I was still going to school trying to finish up and I ended up getting a job at the bank and I worked there for a few years and moved up to, to being a personal banker, which really helped me kind of get more interpersonal skills. And once I did that, it was then I realized I wanted to be in marketing and I wanted to be a copywriter. Now, copywriter is kind of like an old skill set because it's the guys that write the ads, the, the men and women that write the ads in magazines and billboards. That's what I wanted to do. So I would cut out ads and make my own like portfolio 
And then I went to the bank headquarters. I was like, listen, I would love to work in the marketing department. They took me into a few meetings, but ultimately they were like, nah, you know, we're not really <laughs> messing with you like that. You don't really have the, the skill set to do it yet. So I was reading books. I was learning as much as I could. And I ended up taking two internships. And I'm in South Florida. So one of those internships was uh, called Allied Marketing, where it was pretty dope. We actually got to promote movies when they came out. So for example, when American Gangster came out, uh, with Denzel, we were able to get like these posters and, and we were able to showcase and, and provide like little things that people could get to watch the movie. So it taught me like a lot of like fundamental advertising skills. And while I was doing those internships, while I was working there, I was trying to get into the advertising side. And then I finally landed a job at this small agency called Herman Advertising in, in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And um, there was where I was really able to thrive. And I always tell people that are aspiring entrepreneurs or that want to work for themselves, never get discouraged working for someone else. It helps you develop your skill set. And essentially, you get paid to learn and develop your skills, right? So it's one of those things where you know, I was working there and I was learning and absorbing. And, and, you know, they're paying for all this education, the things that you, for you to do. And we ended up doing Facebook ads. We ended up doing um, all these really cool, innovative things. And, uh, you know, with building a website, that's what I was really excited about that and then tying that into digital strategy. So I spent about four years there. All I did in the beginning was social media and HTML. Like that was my main job. And then I started to move up through the ranks, ended up becoming marketing director and overseeing a small marketing team. And it was, it was, it was super dope because I got to learn a lot in that process. And the CEO just taught me so much. And so towards the tail end of that, that agency, we were dealing with primarily automotive clients. So our clients are like Land Rover, Range Rover at the manufacturer level, at the dealership level. So I got to deal with all these cool dealership people and, and learn, but I felt kind of pigeonholed being in just the automotive space. And I wanted to branch out and try different things in, in marketing. So six years ago, I launched 5.4 Digital, which is a completely remote marketing agency. And fast forward to today, that's where I'm at. As you can see, I'm in the home office. My entire team is remote. So we get to vibe from anywhere in the world. And uh, it's just been an amazing experience because it allows me to, one, spend some more time with my, my wife and son. It allows me to work on cool side projects and, and additional revenue streams and really thrive and, and develop this agency. So I know that was a mouthful. I hope I got yeah. <laughs> the point across, but that's pretty much my my story in a nutshell. Yeah, that's yeah. a really awesome and inspiring story. And I like the uh, point that you made about not being discouraged to work for uh, someone else as an entrepreneur to, you know, gain those skills and things of that nature. Because I think, you know, working for somebody else is kind of demonized, starting to be demonized now. And and it's like, Crazy. you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, one money is money. And I feel like if you get to make money doing what you like to do, I don't think it matters too much whether you work for yourself or work for somebody else because you're enjoying yourself and you're getting paid to enjoy yourself. So exactly. that's like really exactly. key. And then two, like, you know, as a young person, especially nobody believes in your skill set, because even if you have it you're young, people don't think you know what you're talking about anyway. So having that, you know, couple years under your belt saying I work for this agency, I work for this agency, being able to have a track record of somebody else paying you to do that work. When you go out on your own, you could already say I've been paid to do this as opposed to just starting day one as an entrepreneur. And you know, somebody asks you, well, what have you done with other clients? Well, I haven't had other clients, but you got clients when you were at your job. So I think that was really, really key. Yeah. 
using yeah, that you. leverage. Thank you. So you mentioned that your whole team is like you have a home office and your whole team is um, not within your office. Uh, so let's start getting into like the SOP side of things. What are some of the must do's when creating an SOP? Like when uh, someone is outsourcing work or like hiring a VA? That's a great question, Jasmine. And so when, when it comes to SOPs and for those listening, wondering what SOPs are, they're uh, standard operating procedures. So they're tasks and step-by-step directions on how to perform specific tasks within your business. And in hiring folks and in, in developing and building your team, it's important to, to set those, those boundaries and that, that criteria up before you even hire anyone and start to define the different roles. So it sounds like, you know, we're about to go into something super boring, but I'm telling you like SOPs are something that can help you really build your business and, and be able to work on multiple things efficiently while, while building out your processes. And one book I would recommend, actually, there's a couple, uh, two book. One is The E-Myth by Michael E. Gerber. That's a great read. Uh, the Four-Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss, which every entrepreneur has pretty much read. But um, ultimately, starting out building your SOPs, it's simple, right? All you need to do is literally list out the specific tasks within your business step by step. So one thing we do, let's see, I'm looking around. Um, for example, we're working on a website now. We're doing uh, the search engine optimization, the SEO for the site. Right. So what do I do? I make a step by step direction on what we need. Step one, we need to do keyword research. So here's the specific steps on how to do that. One, log into SEMrush.com. Two, put the specific keyword in the search, like very definitive directions. So you want to break it down so much that you can hand this to someone that just got a laptop and they can go ahead and perform the tasks. And the main reason, main reason you're doing that is you'll be creating almost a database of how your business runs. And when you can do that, now you can delegate these specific tasks to people that you can hire. So in another example, in creating a blog, right? We're coming up with blog ideas and writing blogs. Like most people that own the blog, they're running the business. They can't write every single blog. But what they can do is they can come up with the title. They can come up with maybe five to 10 keywords. And they can come up with maybe three or four example articles that the, the potential writer could use. So now that writer can go in, they can they know exactly what keywords to use. They know exactly how to structure that blog. So the more you can empower your potential staff and the more you can document your process, uh, the easier it is to delegate. And then just almost from a project manager perspective, look at everything as a whole and make sure that it's working efficiently. Hmm. That's really awesome. I didn't even know you could outsource blog posts, honestly. I yeah, thought that was either. something that had to come. <laughs> oh, man, you can do, and that's the thing, like it's, it's to the point now where it comes down to, as a business owner, you creating these efficiencies and the more, like you can take super elaborate tasks and break them down into, into separate steps and then anyone can execute it. But then the, the big part is going in and making sure that everything is getting done and then being able to make it even more efficient than it was. So if you see, like, for example, you have a virtual assistant and they're like, well, you know, I had a question about this or I ran into this issue. Now I go back into the SOP and I update it accordingly. So um, it just helps you take away from the daily tasks that take up a lot of time so you can focus on big picture of your business and, and, and really build and, and develop your, your business as a whole. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, cause so we just hired uh, our first VA 
um, a couple of weeks ago and mm. it was like so exciting because now I finally don't have to edit the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's great, right? And, and it's, it it, the good thing about it too is like you're creating like this database of all the things that run your business. So potentially you grow to a certain extent. Companies could be like, yo, we want to buy you out. If you're like, hey, I have this entire repository of all of our standard operating procedures. We make X amount of dollars per month. Now they're going to look at this as, oh, this is a viable business. I can just take over and I don't have to start creating all of these things within it. Yeah. And I think that's that's really key too, because we're in the private equity space and we're looking at like buying companies and different things of that nature. And that's always a lot of people's main concern is like, how do you buy a company that you don't have a previous uh, expertise in? And what I tell people is it, it really depends on the structure that's already in place and also those uh, SOPs, those standard operating procedures, because if they have those down pat, it doesn't really, you could be like an 18 year old kid right out of high school, as long as you could read, you know, exactly. you'll, you'll be at least uh, most of the way there for the most part. I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that, Joe, because if you look like the E-Myth, Michael E. Gerber, the author, he talks a lot about um, Roy Kroc, you know, Roy Kroc is, or yep. Ray Kroc is the founder of McDonald's. Yep. Mm -hmm. And he talked about SOPs to the point where he had a 75 page book on how to build like a hamburger, you know what I mean? Or how to run these efficiencies within the business. So now like you said, you can hire someone young that doesn't have a lot of experience and they walk through the process and everything is systematized. So now you can franchise, franchise, franchise. And that's why one of the reasons McDonald's is one of the biggest franchises in the world. Absolutely. Uh, another thing I kind of wanted to touch on since you have this marketing background is what is your... I guess your your process for for marketing anything because uh, we see a lot of the content that you post on social media, whether it be Instagram. I think you have a Facebook. Well, I see a lot of your stuff on Instagram mainly, though. Um, like what like what do you usually like? Everybody has this special process that they use, and I was just wondering what is your process from start to finish uh, from marketing either an idea, a product, or a service. So I, I like to look at one one I ask my audience. That's the first thing because I think an issue that people run into a lot is they build these products or they build these platforms but they haven't tested the market and they haven't done the due diligence to find out if this is something that the world wants because you can think as an individual yo this idea is hot this is gonna blow you put it out there and it's a flop and it's happened to me before you know I've launched ideas where I've literally thought it was the best thing smoking and then it was a flop so what I've learned in that case is and and here's the thing people think oh well I don't have an audience I don't have a ton of people I can talk to. you can always leverage an audience um, you can go on Facebook groups and ask questions. As long as you're providing value and you're not just trying to pull from people, if you genuinely go into a group and say, hey, I have this idea, what are your thoughts? People will give you their honest opinion. So I always like to, to, to do the due diligence of finding out if this is a product that people want and need. And in one example, blackillustrations.com, I'm a web designer and I saw in the space that there just weren't a lot of illustrations featuring black people, people of color. It was mostly just, you know, white folks, which is, which the illustrations look amazing and I've seen some quality work, but it, there just wasn't a lot of diversity. Yeah. And so I went to some other web designers like, you know, what do you guys think about this? And they were like, yeah, it's a great idea. And I was like, okay. And it was just a really quick Google form. You know, you can send out a five question questionnaire saying, Hey, what do you think about this idea? What would you suggest? Um, what's your email? You know, can I contact you later? Just very simple, brief. If you want to do a form or you can do a Facebook uh, group type of thing. So um, did that and then launched it. And it, you know, we had we're, right now we're at about 40,000 downloads and we launched in April. So it's done, it's done really well in regards to market penetration and really helping people find that content that they wanted. So I always say one, ask your audience. That's, that's the first thing. Yes. Secondly, um, look at where your, 
competitors are focusing their efforts. So look at the top people in the space. And if a lot of their audience is on Facebook or if they're on Instagram or wherever they are, that's where you need to be. So for me, Instagram and Facebook is where my audience resides. I've just really started to get into Twitter about three last three or four months. So I always recommend for someone, even if they're starting out or, or if they're at the, you know, at the point where they're growing, focus on one to two platforms at max. You know, don't try and spread yourself too thin and then use the research that you have looking at competitors and, and stay where they are. And the last piece is just essentially is a competitive analysis. Again, looking at the content that resonates the best. One thing that works well on Instagram are carousels, Instagram carousels where they have like text and you scroll through and cycle through. It's almost like a mini blog. Yeah. That does really, really well. So I, I talked to the design team. I was like, listen, these are the ideas that I have. I put them in the spreadsheet and then the design team will design them, lay them out, and then we'll get them posted on the page. And so those are kind of three things that I recommend folks do if they're looking to launch a product or launch an idea is to really get feedback and, 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 and leverage that into your own. Um, your to your advantage. And when it comes to content marketing, I, one thing I always kind of wonder is, should there be kind of like a call to action in each piece of content? Or how do you how do you structure, all right, I'm provi providing value, but there's also uh, another product or service that I can offer and, and uh, kind of shed light on when should you shed light on that? Mm -hmm. And should it be in every piece of content or every 10 pieces of content? Like, how do you actually? I, I recommend, so you don't have to push a call to action in every post, essentially when it comes to social media, because you're establishing yourself as a thought leader, you're establishing yourself as, a, you know, a person that knows what they're doing and, and you're, you're building brand advocate. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to push in, in each one. I say one out of five messages. You want to have some type of call to action. You definitely want to have a link in your bio or a link to some type of email opt-in or lead magnet, something to drive people. That way, you know, they're, they're leveraging your content, but then you're also getting an, an additional way to contact them and communicate with them after the fact. So for me, I usually do, um, you know, four or five posts on Instagram. And then I might do like an Instagram story pushing like a course or some type of product or a video. But ultimately... I, I, I always tell people to focus on just giving value without necessarily um, it's not anything in return, but more so just giving as much value as you can. Yeah. And then pushing maybe one out of five messages call to action. Yeah, mm -hmm. that makes sense. So how, like, tell us, how did you build the Black Wallet and your Facebook community? With, with Black Wallet, it really started as just a blog. We were posting financial literacy content. I would just do, I would look at some of the top performing articles of other financial websites. And we would essentially take that content, rewrite, not, you know, we, we never copied content from other sites, but we would take essentially the overall idea and create uh, content based on our audience. And then when we started to do that, we started to build momentum for content. I figured we need to open up a Facebook group so we can communicate in real time with our with our um, Black Wallet community. So I did some research. I looked at the name Financial Literacy Tips. I felt like that was a good name, a good title, something that people would search on on Google or Facebook. And so when I launched the Facebook group, I didn't really worry about the numbers. I worried about, you know, how can we really get in touch with our audience and get their feedback. And so each day I just posted either an article or, um, or we posted a poll, which polls always perform well in, in groups. And it's a great way to get quick, efficient feedback. And then I just posted uh, links to our articles and it just grew organically. And then on the website, we added, you know, join our community. We added it in the footer. 
We added it on the Facebook page. So we were trying to push people into this, this Facebook group and this yeah. community. And then we just posted content that was relevant to them each day. And now the great thing about building that group is it gave us almost like a, um, a, a close knit, like text group. So if we had any ideas for blogs, I come up with three or four ideas. I throw them in there and let people vote. Um, we create polls and different things. So we were really leveraging the community to make something that they wanted. And then it just started to grow organically. I don't think we did. We didn't do any paid ads for, for the group. It just started to grow. And then um, when I was, when I was writing the book, I, I kept the entire group within the process. And, and that's the big thing. Like people want to see how everything leads up to where you are, right? They want to see the trials, the tribulations, the ups, downs. They want to see a realistic portrayal of what is going on. Yeah. And so in the book, I put like different titles. I put different cover examples. I put the chapter breakdown. I was like, what do you guys think? What do y'all think? What am I missing? What should I do? And I'm getting all this feedback. Now in the back of their minds, they're thinking, wow, I'm part of this process and building this book, right? So it's almost like I'm an author too. So now when the book goes live and it goes published and I post it in the group, all these people felt like they were a part of the process. Process. And that's how we be the book became a bestseller within a few days because we had already built that audience on the front end. So a few tips for Facebook groups for folks, you know, start out with almost like a keyword uh, strain. Don't don't really have your business name in there. So for example, if you're a real estate investor, you can name the group Real Estate Investment Tips in Florida, you know, something like that, if that's your specific niche. And then in that banner, make sure you have some type of call to action for them to join the group. A lot of people don't realize, but you can offer like a PDF or some type of download or a checklist for them getting inside the group. And then the last piece is you can ask three questions before they join a group. Make sure one of those questions is their email address. So that way you can have that for later on. And then the other questions can be where you found us. And then just a question pertaining to the group. And that's a great way to get people in there. Now they're in your email list as well. And now they're part of your, your, your brand ecosystem. Absolutely. That's amazing. And you mentioned that you would always make like different uh, content posts for this group. Uh, the question I forgot earlier was on uh, post frequency. Like, you know, I hear some people say they post every couple days and then every day. And then there's people who post once a week. And then like what I, what I always really wondered is, is there a magic number for how much content you should provide uh, for, for your audience? There isn't a magic number. It's, it really depends on, it's hard to say. I mean, I would say every day, but I don't do every day. I, I do on my personal, I'll maybe do three or four per week, but it's again, it's, it's scheduled, right? So it's not really me like going in. Um, so I would say on Instagram, you want to post at least four times the least, you know, seven to 10 times the most. Facebook, you want to post at least three or four times a week. Um, and if in a group, a group, you can post every day. That, that helps uh, people bring people back into the group. It helps keep that active. It helps keep it engaged. Uh, but that's pretty much my tips for that. What I would really do is, is depend on the analytics. So look at Facebook insights, look at, you know, if you're using Sprout Social or Hootsuite, look at the analytics and then the post times and, and see what works really well um, for your post frequency. Cause sometimes you can post too much, you know? <laughs> so it's, it's really finding that, that middle ground contingent on your page and your audience. Absolutely. So then in the community, um, are you like the face of the brand or are you, um, do you kind of take like a back seat and just allow the, the group to kind of have its own brand? It, I think it's a combination of both because in the beginning I was pretty much the only one in there. So I was posting <laughs> all the time, you know, there are a few people like commenting and liking stuff. So for the most part, 
in the beginning, before your group starts to take off, you know, you, you need to be active and present. But as it starts to grow, you can, one, you can put an admin in charge of just like approving posts and content. But you still, now here's the thing, as the main admin, when you post, basically everybody in the group sees it because you're the primary admin on the account. So when you post, you get tons of eyeballs on your account almost instantly. So it is good to go in there every few days and just post something. Um, but ultimately, as the group grows, you don't have to be in there as active. Okay. Absolutely. That makes sense. And what are some of your favorite resources in regards to marketing for small business owners? Because a lot of small business owners, you know, they might be the main marketer in, in their in their company. So what are some resources that they could use to help take them to the next level in their marketing? Great question. So there's a there's a few books. I'm going to look at my library right quick. So <laughs> um, th- one of my favorite books is Dotcom Secrets by Russell Brunson. He's the founder of ClickFunnels. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of ClickFunnels, the platform, but his book has tons and tons of, of, uh, of tidbits, tips, tricks that you could use. Uh, Purple Cow is another book. That's great. That one's by uh, Seth Godin. Let me see. Four-Hour Workweek, another one that can teach a lot of fundamentals in, in marketing, especially in you know, VAs and delegation. Yeah. And then, um, oh, E-Commerce Evolved, if they're doing e-commerce, E-Commerce Evolved is a great book. But when it comes to digital resources, there's a few that I've used. Um, one, digitalmarketer.com. They have great courses, great curriculum, and everything. Copywriting, SEO, SEM, social media. Uh, there's just tons and tons of content. Also, uh, I have I have an email course that's completely free that people can sign up for on my website. Um, I know you guys will probably have that in the show notes. So um, I do free lessons every week and then the YouTube channel as well. And then one of my additional favorite resources, especially on the design and branding front is the future without the e at the end the founder his name is crystal they have a youtube channel that's just you know phenomenal really really great and tons of takeaways for business owners and um that's that's pretty much it for now i think you know there's i I can make a list as well but ultimately those are some of my favorites yeah well that's a lot so (laughs) another thing i was really wondering is that uh you're you create uh, a lot i mean a, a a ton of free content but you I, you have a paid course too right yes so how how does somebody who has a paid course because i also have a paid course but i haven't like started really pushing it yet because i'm still kind of you know tweaking things i'll make a version put it out get feedback and then just go back to the drawing board and i just keep doing that um and i'm getting ready to be on my third iteration and what i'm really wondering is when i really start pushing it i want to push it out with more content than i am doing now because i I should be doing more content now but i just (laughs) haven't been yet so how does somebody know um like how much i guess how much do you give away for free do you give away everything for free and be like hey if you want it more packaged more polished here's our course or is or do you keep like maybe one or two gold nuggets that uh is only in the course like how do you weigh the the free content because you make a lot of free content with the paid content and how similar that that should be for me and a lot of a lot of agencies probably won't agree with this or or haven't agreed with me in the past because i always get people that say john you're giving away too much for free you're giving them all the goods why they even need to come to you blah 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 right yeah 
But what they don't realize is by giving away a lot of these resources, you're empowering other business owners, right? Now they're one of your advocates. They're one of those people that'll be like telling their friends, they're at the water cooler, they're they're on a business trip, they're on vacation. They're telling people, oh, you need a website done? Well, I got a guy, right? And so you're slowly dripping into these people's lives and they're becoming a brand advocate for your business. And that's why we do zero outreach. All of the business that comes into us is referrals and we're able to charge a premium because clients know that we can deliver, right? So we don't necessarily have to prove ourselves. Yeah. So for me, giving value without necessarily expecting anything back has always been something that works well. I'm not a sales guy. I've never been a really great sales guy. So for me, selling is, is creating valuable assets that people can use. Yeah. Now, when it comes to balancing like free and paid, um, it's almost like a balancing act, right? I give away free resources, like for example, my email course or um, you know Black Illustrations or YouTube videos and all that content is things that people can really execute on. It's not like, hey, you need a social media page. It's more like, hey, here's the content strategy behind what works for us. Here's what you can do. And so a lot of these resources that I'm giving away are just snippets of an online course or a deeper curriculum or a more detailed process. So for example, with my course, the Web Design Studio Accelerator, um, that walks you through how to run a web design agency from A to Z. Now, I might take components from that and provide people with, hey, here's my resource list, or hey, here's the process in hiring a virtual assistant or hiring a team member. And so now people are getting kind of an idea and they know what to do and they can take that and they can do something with it. And it might get them from A to D, but it might get it won't get them from A to Z, right? Okay. They need to either hire me as a consultant or, or, or do that type of thing, but they can still do a lot of these things on their own. That's that awesome. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Um, so you also just have a lot of projects and like a lot of stuff. Um, so can you walk us through like, you know, everything that you offer and uh, the projects that you have? Sure, sure. All right. So at the top is is Five Four Digital. That's the that's the that's the web design branding agency. So that's almost like at the top, right? That's what pays the bills. That's what compensates the team. That's where we pull in clients. Um, and then right under that, I have like my my side hustles, which were side hustles and now are like businesses, which yeah. is kind of wild. But um, so we we have BlackWallet.org, which is the financial literacy blog. And the way that that's monetized is we have apparel, we do sponsored posts on Instagram, and then we also have book sales. And then um, another business is is Black Illustrations, which is a, a platform for people to download illustrations featuring Black people and people of color. And we have free and premium pr- products there. So the great thing about that is the the free products match the level of premium. It's just different types and different uh, types of content. And so that's a standalone. And then I started another business from that <laughs> because we were getting a lot of inquiries for people that wanted custom illustrations. So we launched illustratorhub.com, which features black illustrators, um, profiles, their images. So anytime people come to us and they're like, Hey, we need custom illustrations. We just say, Hey, check out illustratorhub.com for your needs. And that's not really monetized. I made that more so just to help facilitate these leads that were coming in just to help other illustrators get, get work as well. And then the last piece is um, my personal brand, johndsaunders.co, which is my courses, my, my 
product offerings, and that has free and premium products as well. And so all of these things almost, they, they work together, right? Because everybody is on the same, all, all, all everyone that's working on these projects is part of the 5-4 digital team. So, you know, people think that, oh man, this guy has so many business. How does he get it all done? It's all working within the same ecosystem. So we all have the same task management system. Everything is broken up into sections and it, and it works well for us. So I always suggest that people that are starting more than one business, make sure that that business can almost be leveraged from one of your last businesses. So that way it's, it's cyclical. Absolutely. Yeah. That's where the SOP comes in handy. (laughs) (laughs) So do you outsource, um, majority of the work then since there's so many projects and I'm sure like, you know, you probably don't even have enough time in one day to manage all of those businesses at once. Oh, good, good question. So, so for me, I'm, I'm, I'm really, and I'm, I'm coming to this fact now, I'm just a glorified project manager. Like that, that's pretty much what I do. So I, I, I facilitate the tasks that need to go to the design team that go to the development team. Um, we have a project manager and she primarily sends out emails. She creates jobs. She, um, she schedules different things for, for team members. So I almost come in as, um, Hey, I like how this looks. Let's change this around. Let's use this. Let's leverage this. So I just make recommendations and the team fulfills the jobs. And, um, that's pretty much what I'm, I am now, you know, a project manager, but I do jump into websites. I do like to do some custom work myself as well. Um, like right now I'm working on the, the, the SEO for one of our websites, for one of our client websites that are going live. So I, I still like to be hands-on, but for the most part, I'd say 85% of my job is mostly just making sure that everything's getting done and, and is up to par with, with our, 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 um, our agency standards. That's Absolutely. awesome. So we covered so much in this episode. You gave us so many like resources and golden nuggets. But um, what is, if somebody could only have one takeaway from this episode, what would that be? I think it would be, this year is crazy. 2020 has been insane for a lot of us. You know, a lot of people are, have lost jobs or they're furloughed or, you know, they're, they're just contemplating what they want to do next. Um, I say, now is the opportunity. If you've been thinking about launching a digital business, a digital product, a website, whatever, it's, it's the time is now. And even if you think you're not that digital savvy, there's guys selling millions of dollars uh, on how to, how to do a handstand in 30 days, right? So think, I want folks to really think about their skill set, think about what they can give to the world, and then try to think about how you can package that digitally and sell it to your audience because it's, it's definitely possible. Absolutely. So you're on the Abundant Culture Podcast, so we feel the need to ask this question for everybody who comes on because we always get really interesting and unique answers. And that question is, whether it be in your personal life, uh, in your business, or even in your spirituality, how do you like to spread abundance? Oh, man, that's, that's a great question. Um, for me, it's, it's really just being able to like i get to wake up every day and just work on these fun projects and 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 so for me spreading abundance is giving folks the resources to 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 get it done and and that's why i like to create free resources free blogs free downloads free website templates because i feel like you know we might have somebody that thinks that they can't do it or that they, they won't be able to achieve the goals that they want but I feel as though the digital landscape has really leveled the playing field. It's made it a lot easier, especially for uh, for people of color to really connect and, and, and create products that, that the world needs. So for me, spreading abundance is just, you know, spreading value to the world without without necessarily looking for anything in return, just kind of like doing it and, and, and enjoying uh, seeing people leverage that, that content. Absolutely. Love it. Good answer. So... 
for the person they think you're awesome and maybe they just want to like meet you for a cup of coffee i don't know um you know florida's open yet to do that (laughs) you know maybe 2021 (laughs) or um maybe they want a website design they want you on their podcast or maybe they just want to support you and um buy like a t-shirt or something how does that person get into contact with you or your team yeah absolutely i am on uh instagram i answer all my dms Uh, i'm on instagram at john d saunders you can also join my my free email course where every week i give you a new lesson in marketing that you can execute on and they can grab that at johndsaunders.co otherwise you know check out our our illustrations at blackillustrations.com and that's it that's all i got (laughs) awesome Awesome. well we really appreciated having you on the abundant culture podcast uh you did a excellent job answering our questions and you gave way more value than we could even ask for so we really thank you on having you on thank you guys oh thank you so much i appreciate that you're welcome so that's all we have for today folks i hope you got as much value out of this as we did keep in mind the only way we can improve is through constructive feedback so remember to rate and review this episode also you are not the only person that needs to know this super valuable information so be sure to subscribe and share as well stay tuned for the next episode and remember to always spread abundance peace